0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Praise the Lord. Man, that's such a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Man, just amazing. We serve such such an awesome God. He's, he's, he's a God of the miraculous, amen? That's just who he is by his nature. Man. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. Good morning. It's good to see you. Really excited that you, you joined us today. Excited because today is Miracle Sunday, and so just a, a day that we set aside to really lean into the nature of God that we just heard about in that testimony video, you know, that he's a God that, that does miracles. And really, it's impossible for him to be involved in any situation without that situation becoming miraculous, just because he, by nature, he is super, supernatural. And uh, I know it's a little bit weird in one sense to have a Sunday that you call Miracle Sunday. We started doing this three or four years ago, I, I think, because we, we believe that God's always a God of, of miracles, that so we can see God perform miracles every day, not just on a day that we, we name Miracle Sunday. Amen. But it's like, in my mind, kind of the way that we celebrate other, other holidays where it's, it's not that you appreciate what you're celebrating just on that day, it's a day to celebrate it, and ideally, it, it boosts the awareness of what it is you're celebrating beyond just that day. So Thanksgiving, just as an example. Thanksgiving is a day that what? You, you give thanks. It's a day to think about how good God has been and how much we have to be grateful to, for and just to be thankful. But ideally, it's not just limited to that day that you don't wake up Friday morning and just say, well, I guess I get to go back to being an unappreciative grump, and you know, Thanksgiving is a thing of the past. I'm glad that's over, and just move move on. Ideally, if you you really celebrate Thanksgiving and lean into what it means to be thankful, it elevates that your your gratefulness on all of the other days as as well. When you celebrate an anniversary with your spouse, it's not that you just appreciate them on that one day and then you go back to being you know selfish and just kind of living your own life. It's a time to really celebrate the relationship. Celebrate Celebrate the the love that you have for one another. But but again, if it it works properly, it should elevate the relationship all year long and not just for a 24-hour period. So, So we can talk about other examples, but you get the point. Miracle Sunday is a day for us to lean into the miracle nature of God, a day for us to set our faith for people to receive, but hopefully it elevates our awareness of that part of God's nature Every, every day that we are supposed to be walking in the miraculous. In fact, Christianity, it, it is a miracle to be a Christian. Christianity is a miracle just the the entire thing is miraculous it's it's founded on a miracle the the initiation was a miracle that god so loved the world that there's a god in heaven that would love you so much would love me so much that he would send his son on a mission to to rescue us that that is a miracle in and of itself for some of us it's a little more of a miracle than others that god would love us that that much but there's a god that loves us so much he would send his son it's a miracle that jesus took on flesh he was born of a virgin, that, that's that's a miracle. The whole thing is a miracle that he would live a sinless, spotless life. He would fulfill all of these prophecies, hundreds of prophecies that had been given hundreds of years in advance, even predicting the way he would die. He would die on a cross. Three days later God would raise him from the dead. He's he's alive, he would ascend to heaven, he's he's alive, he's he's returning. The whole thing is a miracle. Salvation is a miracle that you and I can have our lives completely changed. When you accept Jesus, you don't just become religious. The Bible says when we accept Jesus, a miracle takes place. It's resurrection life on the inside of us that we move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of God's dear son, that there is literally a, a life that wasn't there before that comes into your spirit that you become a new creature, literally a new species of being you are born again that's not poetry that's not just kind of a neat way to think of it. That's literally what happens in the spiritual realm. It is a miracle to come alive where there wasn't life before on the, on the inside it, it is a miracle. salvation is miraculous. redemption is miraculous. The fact that you and I can become the temple of the Holy Spirit that, that, that is a miracle that God would allow his spirit to rest on the inside of us some of the things that we used to fill ourselves with that God would transform us so that we are now the the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. It's a miracle to be filled with the Spirit of God. The the whole thing is a miracle. You know, in the the book of Galatians, one of the things that Paul writes to the Galatian church, like a, a principle that he communicates to them, is that the way you begin in your walk with the Lord is the way you're supposed to continue. And he says, if you began in the spirit, if you started in the spirit, then then why are you now trying to be perfected by efforts of the flesh? The way you started is the way that you continue to move forward. But that truth isn't isolated to just his application in the book of Galatians. It it is a principle that we can apply really everywhere in our walk with the Lord, that the way that you start is supposed to be the way that you continue. Amen? Amen. So when you came to Jesus, how did you start? There was some attitude, some desire on the inside of you. I don't, I don't want to be sinful anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to have my, it's not working. I, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want him to save me and rescue me. I just want to be closer to him. That, that's, how, that's how you started. Now, is that a good way to continue in your walk with the Lord? That we don't want, we don't want sin anymore? We want to be closer to Jesus? Yes? <laughs> I would have loved a better response right there. Yes is the answer that you're looking for. That we don't leave sin so we can circle back around to it when we have a little better handle on things. We're done with it. That's the way the way that we begin is the way that we continue. And the fact that Christianity is a miracle from the very fellowship with God, that you and I can have a relationship with God. It is miraculous from the beginning, and that's the way we're supposed to continue this walk with God. That we are we are walking testimonies of the reality of the miracle working power of, of God. That it's not supposed to be some rare thing that we just read about from people that lived hundreds of years ago, that we are are walking miracles and and miracle inflictors on other situations. Amen? That's the way that it's supposed to be. Have you ever ever asked God to forgive you of your sins? Yes. 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 Would you raise your hand if you've you've asked God to forgive you and you believe that he actually did forgive you? Look around real quick. Just look at the room. That's most of the people in this room. And I'm doing this for a reason. You can put your hands down. It was most of, most of the people. And that's important because when you talk about miraculous and we talk about Miracle Sunday and healings and deliverances and whatever else people need, faith is obviously a big part of that. And sometimes the enemy can get us in our head about our faith. And if we have enough faith and we disqualify ourselves when we think about, when we think about faith, we faith. But in Luke chapter 5 is a story. It's a story when uh, men let down their paralyzed friend on a mat in front of Jesus. You know the story. And at the time, Jesus is teaching in a room, and in the room is a bunch of cynical, critical, doubt-filled people. And in that moment, Jesus helped those people to be able to believe that he had the ability to forgive sins and the way that he helped them to that point of faith was using healing a paralyzed man he used that miracle as a stepping stone to get them to the point where they could believe that Jesus had the ability to forgive sins remember the story he said so but that you might believe that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins and then he turned to the paralyzed man he said take up your mat and walk and the man hops up he'd been paralyzed before takes his mat and and leaves the place it was this amazing miracle but Jesus was using that to get them to an even greater level of faith to believe that he had the ability to forgive sins. So when you look around the room and you see that we are... This is a room filled with people that have such a high level of, of faith that they didn't necessarily have to have a paralyzed man. Raise. That, that's just a stepping stone for them to get to the point that we are, we're already at. So we have a room filled with—we are in good shape this morning to believe for miracles. We've got a bunch of strong men and women of overwhelming, overcoming faith. You've already exhibited it. So we're not trying to muster up something. We're not trying to pretend like we have something that we don't really have. We're just taken today to exercise something that we've been exercising all along, that we've accepted that Jesus can forgive us of our sins. That that is a high level of faith that's already operating in our lives. When Jesus talked about faith, you know the terms that he used. He didn't say, man, faith is a thing. You've got to have so much of it. It's really important. You've got to have mountains of faith to be able to do. He he talked about it the opposite way. It's the enemy that tries to get you to think, man, to, to believe for something like that, I'd have to have like this... Crazy, bizarre, you know, enormous faith. Jesus said, "No, no, no, no. Just a a little bit of faith is all you need. You can do incredible. You can move a mountain with faith, like a a mustard. See, that's the way Jesus talked about faith. So, if you know, I can, I have faith to believe that Jesus can forgive me of my sins. You are in good shape. You, you don't, you don't, you just need to see yourself. And I am a, I'm a faith-filled man or woman of God. Amen. So we're we're in good shape right off the bat. I'm excited. I'm excited." So what I want to do is I want to share just a little bit and so we can have time to pray for people. I just want to look at God's word for a couple of minutes, see what it says, and then act on what it says and believe what it says and expect God to do what he says. Amen? Does that sound simple enough? If you have your, your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 103. This is a familiar passage of scripture. We'll just kind of work our way through it. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. There are benefits to being a child of God. It is wonderful to know the Lord, to have a relationship with him. There are incredible benefits. To it, If you're here today and you don't have a real relationship with the Lord, in just a few minutes, I'll give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as Savior. And I want to strongly encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity because it is a life filled with benefits when you are a child of God. It is, it's, it's wonderful. You need these benefits in your life. He says, forget not, forget not his benefits. I don't know if you've ever worked for someone that when they hired you, they, they told you what you'd be paid and the benefits that would come along with the job. They said, you know, you know whatever the benefit package included. They said, you, you're going to get a week of vacation. That's just a benefit. And they, they talked about all this stuff. If you've ever worked for someone that when you went to use the benefits— Felt like they didn't want you to actually make use of the benefits. It's, it's a frustrating place to be. And I don't, has anyone ever been there? You, you go sit, you, you say, uh, you know, you said I'd get a week of vacation, and you know, I've been thinking about it, and here are the dates. If it's okay with you, I'd like to take a week of vacation. And they act angry or annoyed or put out by the fact that you, you actually want something that they're the ones that told you you could have. You, have you ever had that experience? Sometimes we imagine God being the same way. Then when he tells you about the benefits that come with belonging to him, we imagine that he's upset, annoyed, frustrated when you actually want to see those benefits realized in your life. Like he's, I I didn't actually, I didn't actually think you'd want to see them. I just really prefer if we could leave it in theory and just kind of the theoretical benefits and you'd think I'm really nice for providing them. But I don't want you to actually claim them in your life. That's how people think about God. But there's also another kind of boss, and maybe you've worked for this kind of person, that wants you to enjoy the benefits that they said that they'd provide you. That if you don't, if you don't actively claim them, they'll remind you of them. Say, hey, when are you gonna take that vacation? You need to spend time with your family. I've worked for people like that as well, and it's much more enjoyable to work for somebody who wants you to enjoy the benefits. And that's God's attitude when it comes to the benefits he say belongs to you as being... Part Part of his family, he wants you to have them realized in your life. That's why he gives us his word to tell about the benefits. Passages like this that encourage us now don't forget about those benefits, make sure you're enjoying the benefits of serving me. It says, forget not his benefits. This is so important because in a situation like this, when you've got people that are in need of miracles, situations where things are desperate, either in a marriage or in a financial situation or in their body or in their emotions, of stress and anxiety, depression, or when people get some kind of crisis in their life, some point of pain, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever it is. Our tendency is to allow our life to become fixated on that need or on that point of distress or or pain. But what he's telling us to do here is not to allow that to happen, that when you have a need, don't become obsessed with your need. Forget not that there is one who provides a benefit that is able to satisfy whatever need that is. And I want to challenge you this morning to, just like Pastor Jonathan talked about a moment ago, to allow your attention to shift away from your problem, away from whatever issue of lack or need and to begin to just celebrate and focus on the fact that there is a God who has a provision that's able to swallow up whatever need is in your life, whether it's healing or or otherwise, don't forget about his benefits. You can't be focused on two opposite things at the same time. So if I'm not forgetting his benefits, it means my mind is on his benefits. And that also means my mind isn't on the problem that those benefits directly address. And as we'll, we'll just read a couple of the benefits today, but there's a corresponding benefit to any need that you have in your life right now. Whatever the enemy has done, whatever your own selfishness has done, whatever your stupidity has accomplished in your life, God is able to fix whatever is off and get things back the way that they belong. That's a benefit of serving God. Forget not his benefits. Verse three says, he forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. He says, he forgives all of my sins. God forgives all of our sins. And when he forgives, he doesn't forgive like some people forgive. that They continue to bring it up from time to time. And when things get really heated, they're faithful to remind you of a mistake that you made 15 years ago. That's not the way God forgives, that he forgives and it is gone. Bible says as far as the east is from the west, in a sea of forgetfulness, God completely forgives. That's important for people to know because you can make a mistake, have a season of life where you were off track, and then carry that the rest of your life and and think that God sees you through the filter of whatever error you fell into. And it, it, it taints your relationship with God and it keeps you from being able to, enjoy his presence like he wants you to enjoy it. It keeps you from being able to enjoy fellowship with him. Moments like we just had when we're just worshiping the Lord, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. It's a benefit to know God forgives all of your sins. In John chapter 8, they they brought a woman. It says she was caught in the very act of adultery. And they bring her and they they throw her before Jesus. Jesus is is teaching people. They interrupt his teaching and throw this woman in, in front of him. And they pick up stones and they they say, the law says we should stone her for what she's done. What do you say? Now, this is an opportunity for Jesus to let us know where he stands when people find themselves in situations that they shouldn't be in, doing, doing embarrassing, shameful, vile things. Because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So really, this is a picture of the Father's heart. If there's a time where God says, yeah, boys, What are you waiting around? Start throwing those stones. I don't know what you're standing here asking me questions, but let's get her. And he starts, you know, throwing stones himself. This is an opportunity. If that's in the heart of the Father, this is a time for us to see it expressed. But we actually see the opposite. Jesus says, all right, well, whoever is the first among you without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And he gets down and he starts to just doodle in the the dirt. And it says one by one, they start dropping their stones. And by the time Jesus stands back up and looks around. He says, woman, where where are your accusers? And she says, none, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. That's a picture in the heart of the heart of the father that he's not looking to condemn people. Jesus literally disarms the accusers. They're dropping their weapons. They're dropping their instruments of judgment. That's what he's done in our lives, that he's disarmed the accuser of the brethren, that whatever he had to to, uh, come against us with, through Jesus, we are completely forgiven. He forgives all of our sins, and it's important for people to understand that because if you're still caught up trying to get God to forgive you for something, that it's a benefit. He forgives all of your sin. You'll waste your entire walk with the Lord, trying to get God to do something that he's already done. It'll keep you from moving on to maturity and enjoying other benefits. This is benefit number one. You you need to receive that so you can step in to the the other benefits that he begins to rattle off here. Jesus didn't come on a mission to point out people's flaws and point out people's sin and just to rub their noses in it. Listen to what the Bible says. John 3.16, maybe the, the most popular verse in the Bible, says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen to this next verse. I love verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus wasn't on a mission to let people know how filthy and awful they are, to condemn people. Jesus was on a mission to take that sin on himself and to set people free so that they could be clean and have reconciled relationship with the Father. So if you're here today, there's been some area of sin that has just caused a guilt and shame as a burden that you live your life with. God wants to lift that off of you and break the chain of sin in your life so that you can be free. Just like he said to that woman that woman caught in adultery, I, I'm not looking to condemn you. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to set you free and to make you clean. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That, that would have been a cruel instruction to give somebody if it was impossible. If he knew that he was going to leave her in the state she arrived in, where she's bound by whatever controlling spirit, whatever had it, got her into that, that situation in the first place, but when he gave her that instruction, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more, there was power in the instruction to actually carry out the instruction, and the same thing is true for you, that when we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us of all of our sin. He doesn't just forgive us, he also breaks, breaks the hold of sin in our lives, so you can leave here not having to repeat that same sin all your life, or to know that you're separated once and from all once and for all from whatever sin it was that you committed, that he forgives all of our sins. It's a benefit. It's a benefit to know that you know that you know. I'm clean. I'm right with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He forgives all of our sins, and he heals all of my diseases. Second only to forgiveness of sins is he begins to list benefits. Second only to repairing your spirit, man, is repairing and strengthening your physical man. That, that's important because people, people will minimize the importance of healing, but it's important to God. It's important to him. Jesus spent a lot of his ministry restoring health to people's, to people's bodies, and when he, he's listing the benefits of knowing God, second only to forgiving, forgiving sins is he heals all of my diseases. God wants you healthy and strong. He cares about it. He wants your joints working properly. It matters to him that you're able to live your life and not always have to stop because your knees hurt so bad or whatever it is. He wants your organs functioning properly. He wants that pancreas doing the job that it was designed to do. He wants your eyes seeing clearly and your auditory nerves functioning properly. God desires those things and he makes them available. And when he makes them available, they're available for everyone. They're available for all. Acts 10.38 says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing, healing all. Nobody came to Jesus for healing, and they, now, you're not one of the ones. You're, you're not, like, miracle eligible. You know, you just need to deal with this for a while. He never encountered any, anyone that came to Jesus. He healed them, and he's still that way today. He's, he's the same today that anyone that comes to him for healing, healing has been provided. Just like he carried your sins when he went to the cross, the Bible says he also carried sickness and disease. So just like you know that you can go to him and ask him to forgive you because it's been paid for, it's the same way with healing. It's been carried. It's been Carried. Let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 53 in Young's literal translation. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him, and by his bruise there is healing to us. Some translations say, By his stripes, by the wounds on his body, healing was made available for you and for me. Who, whose sicknesses and who pay, whose pains did he carry? Not just random, he, he got sick. No, those were somebody else's. It was our sicknesses, our pains. It was yours and mine. He carried specifically anything the enemy tries to afflict your body with. Jesus already carried it. If we keep reading in verse 10, it says that it pleased Jehovah or it pleased the Lord to bruise him or to crush him. He hath made him sick. Now, why in the world would it please the Father? Word word can be translated delighted. Why would it delight him to make Jesus sick? Why would it please him to to see his son crushed and bruised? it pleased him because the sickness that was coming on Jesus was coming off of you. And that was pleasing to the Lord. And we have to understand it that way. Otherwise, it makes the father sadistic. If he just enjoyed watching his son suffer, if he just enjoyed watching the sickness and pain come upon him, that's a twisted. It makes God a monster to not believe that he's provided healing in that process, that the only thing that would make him delight in seeing sickness come on his son is knowing that he's making a way for it to come off of you. Every sickness, every Every disease, every pain that the enemy tries to put on your body, the Bible tells us it is a benefit to know someone has already carried it and we've got to stand in faith and accept the benefits of what's been provided. Forget not his benefit. Instead of thinking, man, I think this condition is just going to get worse. Instead of allowing your life to be consumed with that problem, be consumed with the fact that there is a benefit that far overwhelms anything the enemy can do to your body. And you claim that benefit today in Jesus' name. Amen. Healing comes into your body. It's a benefit. He heals all of my diseases. The next verse, verse four, it says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love that picture. You've probably heard me talk about it before. Just the idea of him crowning you with loving kindness and tender mercy, that he wants his goodness to be so clear in your life that it rides around on top of you. It's impossible for people to ignore the goodness, the tender mercies of God that he's poured out on your life. That when people view your life, you've heard people talk about others or maybe you've talked about them or maybe people have mentioned your life like this. Man, what a shame. What a pity! Have you, did you hear what happened to that family? Do you see what they're going through? Do you know what diagnosis they just got? That your life is a story of the way that the enemy works to to destroy your career, to destroy your household, to destroy your marriage. It says he redeems us from destruction. God wants to pull you out of destruction and crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. It's it's hard to miss if someone if someone was wearing a crown in here, you would be aware of it. There's no way I could come up here and talk wearing a crown, and you it just it just you, it's lost on you. You didn't notice it, right? You, you notice when someone's wearing a crown. That means God's desire is when people talk about the story of your life, it's a story of, man, did you see that, man, that family is so blessed. Man, if you looked at that marriage, I would love to have a marriage like they have. A marriage. Their kids, their kids are so well-behaved that God's blessing is on your life so thick. You're so saturated with the goodness of God that other people have to comment on it. That's that's what God desires for you. That's a benefit of belonging to him. He redeems you from destruction. It he pulls you out of what the enemy would try to do to destroy you. Jesus said something very similar in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, I'll start reading in verse 10. Jesus is talking about himself as the good shepherd and describing some of the characteristics of a good shepherd. John ten ten, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it, more abundantly. Jesus is talking about the mission that he came on. There's an enemy that wants to kill, steal, destroy, rob from you, harm you, take what belongs to you. Jesus said, I came to minister life, that it would overflow. And he continues, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Now Jesus is contrasting himself to this hireling character. He's he's contrasting. He doesn't operate that way. He says, I'm I'm a good shepherd. I care about the sheep. So what you see the hireling allow to take place, Jesus said, "I, I don't allow that kind of thing to take place when the wolf comes to destroy, when the enemy comes to attack, you have a good shepherd that is able to drive whatever attack the enemy would bring into your life. Not sit back and watch it occur. It's a benefit to know he redeems your life from destruction. Whatever the enemy is bringing into your life to destroy, whether it's a lust, an addiction, depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it looks like, there is a good shepherd that there's no wolf so big and bad that he's not able to keep it far from you and your household. He redeems your life from destruction. He fills my life with good, with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. He fills my life with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, there's so much in these verses, and there's so much we could pull just from the idea of our youth being renewed. Let me just hit on, on one thing. If you can remember back to when you were young. Some of us have to go further back than others. If you can remember what it's like to be 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. One of the things about being young, it's like you're obsessed with everything lying ahead of you. There's so much excitement and anticipation for what lies ahead. If you hang out with a, Some 17-year-old kids, they're not sitting around bemoaning they miss being six months old. Man, do you remember when we were one and a half, how awesome that was? That's not the way that young people talk. They talk about, man, I can't wait to get my license. Man, I can't wait to get a car. Man, I can't wait to go to college. Man, I can't wait to start a job. I can't wait to open up my own company. I I can't wait to get married. Man, I'm so looking forward to being a a mom, being a, a, a dad. They're always looking forward with such anticipation and excitement towards the future. But what the enemy tries to do is get you to a point, and he'll do it as early as you allow him to do it gets you to a point where you're looking over your shoulder and feeling like life is crested and now you're plateauing or you're coasting downward. As early as you allow him to do it, he'll, he'll do it when you're 18 if you allow him. But when you turn 30, 35, 40, 50, 60, 70, whenever you allow him, he'll, he'll get you looking at, feeling like your best days are behind you. and Just remember when. He renews your youth like the eagle. He wants to to do something supernatural on the inside that wherever the enemy has got you feeling like, man, you've just plateaued or you're headed downhill, to put something on the inside of you, a confidence of the blessing of God on your life that he's renewed your youth. My best days are ahead of me, not behind me. That you look forward towards the future. You're not gonna waste the last year, five years, 10 years, 30 years of your life wishing you were back. Man, the greatest things in my life, the sweetest memories I'll ever make are ahead of me not behind me the best fruit that I bear is yet to come the most impact I'll ever make that's still coming in my life I'm just building off of the past thank God for it but he's renewed my youth like the eagles and I'm so excited about the days that lay ahead that's a miracle and it's a benefit what God wants to do on the inside of you He, he renews our youth like the eagles he fills my life with good things he fills my life with good things does anybody have capacity to accept more good things in your life? He says he fills it, he fills it. Fills your life with good things. That means there's no room for bad things. If it's filled with good, there's no room for bad. You get so full of blessing, so, so full of good things that it drives out everything bad in your life. You just don't have room to contain it. So if you've got room, what, what, what's missing in your life? What good thing is missing? Because a benefit, the Bible says, it, now listen, it'd be one thing if we're making up a wish list. I'm not making up a wish list. We're reading right from the word of God that he's saying, don't forget. Why? Because people forget. People's mind goes to other things. He fills my life. He fills my life with good things, with good things. What good thing is missing from your life? And then he lets us know in case you get stumped what some good things are. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Children are a blessing from the Lord. You heard that testimony earlier. But what a, what a beautiful testimony. What The enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy. That in a moment, God turned that story around. It's a good thing to fill their life with good things. He wants to fill your life with good things. The blessing of a God makes a man rich and he adds no sorrow with it. He wants to fill your life with good things. What, what's, what's missing? You can receive it today. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. God doesn't resent his asking, but we'll give to him liberally but when he asks, let him ask believing and not doubting. He fills our life with good things. So these benefits, these benefits are things that we, we don't have to work for, we don't have to strive for, we don't have to try to convince God of our, our deservedness. They're benefits, they've already been provided. He's already done all the work. It's provided by grace well, if, if it's provided by grace, then why don't I see it in my life? If it's already, if it's God just gives it to me, then why, why am I dealing with this health issue? Why have I been dealing with it? Why, why is this going on in my family? If it's been provided by grace, then how come I don't see these benefits realized? Because what's been provided by grace has to be claimed by faith. That just because it's a benefit doesn't mean that you see it realized. It's got to be claimed. One, you, you've got to know that it's a benefit. That's why God's word tells us, don't forget these, these things belong to you as a child of God. And then you claim it by faith. You know, I I work for Center Branch Church. That's who I'm employed by. One of my benefits is some vacation time. I I have vacation time. But I'm I'm not on vacation right now. Why? Because I haven't claimed my vacation time. There will come a point this year where I claim those vacation dates and I will go on, on vacation. And until then, that benefit's just waiting on me to stake my claim. That's the way the benefits are in the kingdom of God. They're waiting on you. God doesn't, God doesn't force them on you. He just like, you don't force your benefits on you where you work, but they're available should you decide to claim them. So what's been provided by grace has to be claimed, claimed in our lives by, by faith. And so faith is important when we claim these benefits, when we claim healing, when we claim deliverance, when we claim forgiveness, claimed by faith. So faith, faith plays... A critical role. So let me read a couple of verses before, before we pray. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus is dealing with a man who brought his son to him to be healed, to be delivered. And when he's talking to Jesus, he says, Jesus, if, if, you, can, if you can do anything, would you please help this situation? And Jesus responds by saying this. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes all things are possible to him who believes if you believe then you have access to all of these benefits all things nothing is off the table for a person who believes faith faith is important all things are possible to those who believe and that's where people get hung up a lot of times and they don't claim what belongs to them because the enemy will work to try to get you mustering up faith pretending that you have faith, comparing yourself to somebody else who really seems like they have faith. How do I measure up? And your faith is all is always in question. So how do I, all things are possible. The problem is whether or not we believe. Well, then a couple of chapters later, Jesus gives us some more insight into the way that faith works. After he curses the fig tree, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Again, so many things we could pull from this passage. Let's just focus on one. As Jesus is talking about faith, all things are possible to those who believe. If you believe and don't doubt in your heart, if you don't doubt in your heart. What happens sometimes is people will say, "Man, I—it's like it's like I believe, but I, I also have some questions because it doesn't make sense to me. I don't—I don't see how God's going to make this happen." That she. she didn't understand how after failure after failure to deliver a child, and the the doctors even say, we don't know what's going on, we're just, we're we're not sure what's happening here. How am I going to wrap my mind around that, wrap my faith around that? And so we get caught, caught like on a treadmill of faith where we can't seem to make any progress in actually believing and receiving. But Jesus gives us insight, he says when, don't doubt in your heart. Because your mind and your heart function differently. And when people fail to make that distinction, that, that's where they get snagged in their faith and are unable to receive. Because you believe, you believe in your heart. So he's saying that that's where you need to make sure there's no doubt. Because in your, your mind is wonderful, thank God for our minds, but your mind is made to function in the realm of reason and logic. And figure out problems and just understand things in the natural. That's that's what your mind does, and it comes in handy a lot of times. But when it comes to faith, when it comes to miracles, miracle by definition is impossible, and it's not going to compute in your mind. It's not reasonable. It's not logical. So your mind can't can't wrap itself around. And when your mind struggles to really understand the miraculous power of God, people take that as an indication that they don't have faith. No, you just have a mind that works properly it's made it's made to function in the realm of reason that's why in proverbs chapter 3 it says to trust in the lord with all of your heart because that's, that's where I trust God. That's where I have faith in God. And lean not on your own understanding. Those things are linked together in that verse intentionally. They're not just random sayings that he's just kind of, you know, spitballing and throwing out some stuff. Yeah, it's a nice truth. He's, he's building on those things. Trust in the Lord. He tells us specifically where. Trust in the Lord with your heart. And when you're trusting in the Lord with your heart, you've got to stay out of relying on your mind and your logic because it'll keep you from receiving by faith the things that God has for you. What's been provided by grace has to be claimed by faith. And the place that you believe and the place that you don't doubt is in your heart. We already started off. People raised their hand, man, you've got a high level of faith. You are a mighty man of faith, a mighty woman of faith already. So the things that we're believing for actually pale in comparison to what you've already accomplished with your faith. Faith like a mustard is able to move a mountain. You, you already have the kind of faith that can not just move a mountain, but that can move an eternal being from one kingdom to another. You've already exhibited that kind of faith. So don't allow the enemy to to stir up doubt in your mind and think that, man, I've been been derailed. I don't have that kind of faith. No, you do. You do have that kind of faith. I know that you do. You just also have a sharp mind. You you know, you've gotta use the proper parts for the proper thing that you wanna see accomplished, right? If I tried to feed myself with my foot, I, I could get so frustrated and discouraged. <laughs> I can't feed myself, it's so embarrassing. I Can't go out to restaurants. I'm such a failure. No, you're not. You're just using the wrong part. What would a simple solution say, hey, try your hand. Oh, this is easy, this is easy. Stop trying to believe with your mind for something that your mind was actually made to not believe. But your heart was, and your heart does. And that's where we're gonna operate from. We see people receive miracles this morning, receive claim benefits that have been yours all along, but you're gonna claim them today. You're gonna see it realized in your life today. Healing, depression lifted off of people, fear driven out of people's lives, Wisdom to come and solve that problem in a relationship. Guidance, direction, benefits, just benefits. God's so good. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.